0: Tuesday nights from 6 until 7 on KCLOR. This is The Garden Show with Paul Smith. Brought to you by Arboretum Home and Garden Heaven. Transform your garden with our unbeatable range of plants, trees, tools, and treatments. Arboretum.ie.
1: Hello, and welcome along to The Garden Show. This week, I'll be speaking to Eileen O'Rourke all about the Carlo Garden Festival. We're going to catch up with Skitty Kitty Scully uh, from RTE's Homegrown, learning all about growing veg and what she's been up to. And our how-to will focus on houseplants with Eamon from the Arboretum in Carlo. And as ever, we'll be answering all of your gardening questions. Uh, first of all, this week, I'm going to chat to you a little bit about my plant of the week. My plant of the week has been uh, varying over different things. I've had trees, I've had shrubs, Uh, And this week I'm moving on to something that's just about starting to bloom at the moment and that is the peony. Uh, Really fascinating things. Uh, Beautiful blooms. Anyone who knows peony flowers will just be uh, smitten by them. Not particularly long flowering plants but they really, really catch your eye as they are in flower. They make excellent cut flowers. They last for about a week in a vase and they do refrigerate them. Um, They're actually native to Asia, Europe, North America um, but it's an ancient plant. They've been cultivating them since about the 7th century or so over in Japan. Um, And there's masses and masses of varieties of them. Uh, There's three kind of main types. So there's tree peonies, which are basically shrubby peonies. There are herbaceous peonies. And the final one are the intersectional peonies, which are the ones that are across between a tree peony and a herbaceous peony. So you get the best of both worlds. You get a small bit of the large flowers of the herbaceous plants, with the structure and the woodiness of the tree one and the intersectional peonies have been made uh, for years and years uh, by people uh, over in China for the most part. Uh, they also have medicinal properties. Uh, they have said to be used to treat inflammation and blood cuts in general plain and the roots. So the roots are the main thing that they actually use to treat um, over in Chinese medicine. So they dig them up. If anyone's ever dug up a peony in the garden you'll find that they're big clumpy roots um, and that's actually a point when you're planting a peony in the garden. Uh, we often and say don't plant them too deep in the ground try to plant them a little bit higher so plant your tuber a small bit higher rather than burying it really deep because they like getting baked Uh, they come from parts of the world a little bit warmer than around here in Ireland so they prefer to have a small bit of um, warmth at their roots basically the other thing that they're used for is they have a bit of symbolism so they're fragrant and widely available cut flower but they represent romance and love and consider a good omen of a happy marriage and traditionally use as the 12th wedding anniversary um, flower so in Chinese culture they stand for strong positive virtues such as bravery, honour, respect, nobility good fortune and prosperity Um, and the final strange thing about them, uh, often as we're gardeners we know that um, lots of our plants come from Holland and Holland is a huge producer of plants of all sorts of types Um, but actually down uh, in Alaska is funny enough where lots of peony cut flowers come from so lots of cut flowers uh, come from Holland and many do come uh, via there but Alaska for some reason is one of the major producers of cut flower peonies in the world um, and they grow them there because of their slightly cooler climate they can actually last longer which is a slightly interesting um, and ditty fact so that's all about the peony um, and that is us with them so we're just going to go for a quick break and we'll be back talking a little bit about carlo
0: garden show on kcl or with paul smith brought to you by arboretum home and garden heaven transform your garden with our unbeatable range of plants trees tools and treatments arboretum.ie
1: now, welcome back to The Garden Show. And on the line, I have Eileen O'Rourke from Carlo Tourism. And Eileen's here to chat to me all about uh, Carlo Garden Festival and the upcoming lineup for this coming year. Carlo Garden Festival, uh, one of the real great successes, um, in Carlo and in terms of gardening in Ireland. A great event with lots of great gardeners every single year. Um, Eileen, how are you doing? Oh.
2: Hello, Paul. How are you? And thanks for having me on.
1: Um, Eileen, can you just explain a little bit to me before we get going about how the Garden Festival came about?
2: Well, actually, it was 20 years running last year, and that took the COVID break into consideration. Um, Way back in 2002... The county manager at the time, uh, Tom Dowling, wanted, uh, he was doing a lot of work with communities in Carlow and uh, around Pride of Place and I suppose the presentation of the towns and villages of the county. And there was a funding stream available from Fulch Ireland at the time for festivals. And he suggested that we could develop a festival based around the strength of the towns and villages For, you know, the flowers and the gardens. And that's how it all kicked off.
1: Wow. And it really has from that 20 years ago went from strength to strength. Um, and it's, yeah, I think
2: what really, I think what really, I suppose, uh, brought it in another direction was around 2014, Paul, when it was felt that to grow the festival, we needed to bring in perhaps personalities that the Irish public wouldn't normally have access to. Um, so we looked at some UK personalities. So the first year we brought Carl Klein, then we brought Monty Don. And we've continued with, uh, uh, we actually had yourself when you uh, were working over in Wales. Um, and to continue on that whole vein, we've we've always had UK personalities since. And that really uh, grew the festival Um in, you know, in a very big way from about 2014, 2015 onwards.
1: It really has, and it's brought people from all over Ireland to Carlo because you know these are people that you wouldn't normally come across on the Irish Garden and scene, so people do quite literally travel oh. from I've talked to people from Galway and everywhere who come to see these people in all our different gardens and for anyone who doesn't know the Carlo Garden Festival, um, it's held in all our various gardens um, on the Carlo Garden Trail. so can you just give us a little bit of a over insight into the Carlo Garden Trail as well, Eileen?
2: Okay, so it's made up of uh, 19 individual gardening attractions and they range from... Um gardens like Ultimate, uh which are managed by the opw to private gardens to award-winning garden centers and nurseries like the arboretum and Altamont plant sales and then also uh, to forest parks and woodlands uh, like those at rathwood and also at oak park so it's really a collection of a whole plethora of garden related attractions
1: yeah um from everything and anything all over the county so it's really really great and uh, yeah, just- and it's
2: joined together then by signage as people go around the county they can drive from one attraction to the next and it's all brought together i suppose from a marketing perspective with a publication that highlights each of them and then obviously a website and um, social media promotion as well
1: Brilliant. And for the festival this year, are there the lineup of speakers and venues? Has that been released yet, or is that just about to be released?
2: It's just about to be released, <laughs> Paul, but um, we have put some of the tickets on sale. So I suppose some of the highlights, um, we have Adam Frost from BBC Gardener's World and James Alexander Sinclair, who's you know well-known as an RHS Chelsea flower show judge. They're coming together. On the 29th of July, um, on Saturday evening in Arboretum, and it's basically we had them last year, and um, it was just an excellent evening, um. So uh, we've decided to bring them back again, and the whole idea is um, to really learn from garden designs that they themselves have been involved in, and. Uh, it you know it was an evening of real gardening knowledge and information but it was also an evening of great fun and humor and um just you know hilarious one liners and you know friendly banter so that's on on the saturday night um Closely followed on Sunday afternoon, uh, the 30th, by Nick Bailey uh, from BBC Gardeners World as well. And he's doing 365 days of colour in your garden. And there's there's lots more, both Irish and UK speakers throughout the week then.
1: Wow, so lots happening, uh, lots on. It's going to be a busy week for yourselves. And you're going to just about, in the next couple of um, weeks, I'm sure, announce uh, all the final lineup of speakers and the venue. So where can anyone listening get that information, Eileen?
2: Yes, well, I mean, if people would like to go on now and start booking tickets, almost all events are uploaded, Paul. And they're on uh, www.carlogardentrail.com. Dot com, And there's um, a booking icon on the very, fr- you know, the homepage of the website. And that will take you on to a secure online booking system. You know, that's very easy to follow, uh, very quick as well. And people can start booking their tickets there.
1: Brilliant. Uh, that's and great. the
2: full programme in total uh, will be up by uh, the end of this week. We're almost there, but we've released it slowly as as we've been ready to do so.
1: Bit by bit. Fantastic. Well, Eileen O'Rourke from Carlo Tourism, thank you very much. And anyone interested, uh, the Carlo Garden Festival runs from July 29th to August 7th. And as Eileen said, tickets are there available at the moment. Now just very quickly, we're going to go to one or two questions before we get our next guest on, who's Kitty Scully. We have a question in from Genevieve. Um She was asking about how to identify a weed from a wildflower. Um, it's a funny question. It's not a funny question, but it's a good one, because uh it's very much down to sort of technicalities and what is a weed, and I mean, to be very, very specific about it and to be a little bit, you know, uh, I suppose of a nerd, if you look in the dictionary, the definition of a weed is simply a plant in the wrong place. So you could very much argue that if your other half plants a plant somewhere in the garden that you don't want it, it could be in fact a weed. Um, or if an oak tree was planted too close to your house a 100 years ago, it could be indeed a weed. So uh, it, it's kind of down to what the English language defines a weed as, as opposed to what a gardener defines a weed as. Um, every wildflower out there is, uh, possibly a weed. You know, dandelions are wildflowers. Uh, there's nothing wrong in saying that, but dandelions are also quite a pernicious weed. Uh, most of the wildflowers that we really want to grow are ones that are a little bit harder, um, not so long, uh, not so easy to grow. And um, also... Not only can you identify them by looking at them and deciding that it is a weed in your own head, but you do use um, apps and there is technology out there. There's various plant ID apps. Um, I can't say I use any myself because uh, I had it uh, knocked into me when I was in uh, college and training, but anyone, and I know lots of people who come out to me um, and say they've used various apps to identify wildflowers and weeds. And actually, I've seen them work and they get better and better as time goes on. So uh, it really is worth keeping an eye out for them. Uh, now, over on the line we have Kitty Scully. Um, <coughs> Kitty is a gardener. Um, she's a brilliant veg gardener. She is, um, often on RTE. She was on various different shows. Most recently she's been on Homegrown and she is here to talk to us a little bit about gardening, organic gardening and veg gardening in Ireland. Kitty, how are you doing?
3: Good evening, Paul.
1: Good evening to you.
3: I'm yeah, I'm, I'm good. This weather has been a little bit busy in the old veg garden these last few days, but, um, great to see a bit of sunshine.
1: Yeah, it, Everton today got baked. I was running around the garden this morning, kind of, uh, watering furiously because I was away for two or three days and, uh, it's always a dangerous time of year to leave the garden, isn't it?
3: Oh, totally and it just swings you know I was joking I'm lucky at the moment I have a lovely um, student with me from the Botanical Gardens in Glasnevin and we were just you know joking at that like last week was complaining so wet what a bad spring and then today you know we were just trying to transplant as much get as much out of pots as possible because it seems like it's going to be dry you know for the next um, week or two anyway you know and then it was like oh my god we're going to have to get the hose we're going to have to start watering and it was like Jesus, you feel neurotic half the time.
1: Yeah, you don't know where to be, whether you should be one side of the garden or the other, or what you should be at, but it's all part of the fun, and it only we all enjoy it, even though we complain a bit about it, don't
4: we?
3: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. If there wasn't something to complain um, about, you know, should there be no good? There'd be no <laughs> good at all. Ah, no, and we're very blessed, you know, Paula, you do feel the gratitude every day, um, especially at this time of year, as opposed to the depths of the winter.
1: Absolutely. It's a great time to be outside and it's uh, one of the times where you don't regret this career. You might regret it on a frosty morning in December when you're freezing yourself, but a day like this, uh, absolutely great to be outside. So just to uh, give us a bit of a background, Kitty, you were among many other things in your career. You've travelled extensively, but for a while you were the head kitchen gardener up in Airfield um, and you were involved in the transitioning of that garden to becoming a fully organic garden. And I know organic gardening is something that you're very passionate about. Uh, just what would you say to anyone listening, wanting and thinking about, you know, going fully organic in their garden and uh, what's evolved in that and is it possible, I suppose?
3: Yeah, well, I totally believe it's possible, Paul, you know, really, uh, like, for me, it's even hard to think, you know, sometimes I nearly shy away from the word organic gardening, because it's just gardening, gardening with yeah. nature, gardening the way it should be. And just, you know, imitating the natural systems and and cycles. Um, and I suppose, but maybe that's easy when that's your philosophy so you have to kind of you know think wider and the first I love I'm always very inspired um about you know I suppose food production generally and how food is produced and how growers who are under a lot more pressure than we are in our small little gardens to produce food like let's face it if your salad gets absolutely wiped out from slugs You're still going to get your income. You're still going to be able to eat, you know. So it's really interesting what people do on a larger level. And I don't know, I remember just somebody saying to me first about the first step in transitioning to organic um, and just talking about soil. And it was like, basically, it's not the compaction in the ground. it's It's the problem. It's the compaction in people's heads. Um, And I think that's the first place to start is actually rewilding your own head (laughs) and just how you look. I heard you talking about weeds um, earlier and I just, you know, I suppose I always joke the Weeders Digest, Jesus, I I probably eat more weeds um, (laughs) than, you know, the, the most people like spray away. There are resources. So I suppose it's just trying to maybe... You know, go visit organic gardens. There's loads of... We're in the age of information. There's lots of good talks. There's people like Colin O'Driscoll... You know, now gardening down in Lismore, there's Ballymaloo, a certified organic kitchen garden with an acre under glass doing it organically. So I think um, like the kitchen gardens in Airfield, I think it's really important that people get out and look at what an organic garden and looks like as opposed to thinking, oh, my God, it's just going to be a sea of dandelions. Yeah, and also that, that makes sense
1: you see the mistakes and people are going to make mistakes you know we all do it and just you learn from them so you see what goes wrong and hopefully I mean we should finally learn from them and uh, that's that's what it's all uh, about uh, and
3: uh, absolutely and I suppose the whole thing you know because really organically it's it's you know trying to avoid artificial inputs and you're trying to you're kind of coming from the prevention is better than than cure so just let's say a common one Every, who in Ireland doesn't like to grow cabbage it's one of our staples all our grannies everybody always <laughs> grows cabbage and then the cabbage white comes and lays her caterpillars and they eat your cabbage and we're all very sad and all the spray need to come out. But realistically, you know, if you're thinking organically, it's just, okay, it's it's a butterfly. It's probably going to land on my cabbage. So maybe just preempt it. I'll just put the net up after planting. Okay, it takes a little bit of effort and time to put up the support, drape a cover. But realistically, you end up with better cabbage at the end, you know, so... I suppose it's just kind of trying to find, follow the prevention is better than cure, um, is the total mantra. And it's all about feeding the soil, not the plant. And all I can say to all the listeners is compost, compost, compost and more compost.
1: Compost Everton, it's a, it's a great, uh, it's a great piece of advice, uh, and compost and mulch are my two favorite things to tell people because you know, no matter what you're doing, you'll always, you can't go wrong. It's one of those things that, you know, it'll always be good. And you said as well there, Kitty, just about, you know, growers and, uh, a part of your, uh, time up on RTE is homegrown. You went around lots of different growers and gardeners and, uh, you saw a huge amount of Ireland and we do live in a great little country in terms of what we can grow here in our climate in Everton. And do you feel like we take that for granted a small bit?
3: You know, it's, it's funny. It was such a good experience getting to travel around and just seeing the range from the nurserymen to turf to seeds to, you know, food producers. I think, you know, I, I think in Ireland, we, I, I like to think people genuinely are trying to do good and support community and they like to think they're buying Irish, but sometimes... I feel we probably, um, as consumers, maybe, or I don't really like the word consumers or or users, maybe people go to the garden centre and are just all in a hurry and they just kind of really want to get the plants, you know, in. People are thinking budgets and maybe not actually questioning the journey of each plant and where it started and how it came and the amount of hands, you know, that have touched it. And the same when it comes to food, we see an awful lot of imported veg on our shelves, so realistically, we we we're losing a lot of our our good growers, be they organic or conventional. They can't compete. With and we do have the, the ability here.
1: You know, we're so lucky. 100%. We have all of that knowledge and skill and the ability to grow it here. So it is something that we should all try to support, I suppose. It,
3: Totally, because from what I'm seeing and just from what we, you know, really felt like the biggest challenges for people, like we don't have the populations like there are in England. You know, we are, well, I suppose we're, we're growing and um, the population is growing, but I suppose just to make businesses viable, um, there has to be a certain amount of turnover and there has to be certain pricing. And if they're being undercut by global markets all the time, it's very hard for people to stay competitively in business. And the only way markets can really, you know, survive is if we make choices. And often by that, you know, I think as people shopping or if you go to the garden centre or going to supermarkets or local shops that to ask the questions, you know. Where is the local homegrown section? Super values are great. You're not promoting any supermarket in particular, but, you know, and the same if you are in a garden centre, if that's where you buy. You know, I think we covered the rare and special plant fair. You know, that's such wonderful experience to go and to be able to talk to the nursery men who've propagated those plants and they can give you so much information as opposed to going to your generic garden centre and it's just like going to a supermarket, you know, whereas sometimes people go for the convenience, I think. And we're more going for the convenience. So I think, I hope next generation will kind of step back from that.
1: And we'll just hopefully make a choice, uh, you know, the correct choice that will pick the things uh, that are hopefully a little bit closer to home and have that little bit of knowledge and skill behind them. And just before we finish, Kitty, um, I know people are always asking about, you know, starting out in gardening and veg gardening in particular. And I always say it's never too late, never too late in the year. You always get some point of the year you can sow something um, and it's certainly not too late now. Would you have any advice to someone who's, you know, thinking of starting to grow a couple of bits of veg this year? Uh, and what would you say to them if they're kind of humming and hawing about, you know, just just biting the bullet and throwing a few seeds in and seeing what happens.
3: Oh, I'd say absolutely. It's a brilliant time for direct sowing. You know, there's loads of things that you can sow now and often like just sowing to direct in the ground is the way it should be. I think as gardeners, we get a little bit excited and we've all these heated benches and, you know, there's a lot involved where the ground temperatures are just perfect at the moment. So just let's say the other day, I just direct sow, beetroot. Now, I am working on the presumption that there is soil open soil or a seed bed somewhere available. But if not, you know, veg goes great in big containers. Just recycle any kind of big barrels or tubs. The bigger the better because the less demanding on watering it's going to be. And just fill it with a mix of soil, garden compost if you can get it, and maybe some potting compost. And um, That's just a quick fix if people don't have beds ready. But you can be sowing beetroot if the containers are deep enough. You can sow Um, Carrots, parsnips, direct. So salads, better to go for the more kind of leafy salads at the moment, not the the Rockets and the Mizunas, the Orientals don't really like the heat. So go for more loose leaf salads. Um, I sowed some French beans the other day, some runner beans. I threw some dwarf beans into a bed. So it's a really, really brilliant um, time because now, you know, it's been so variable of late the seeds were just sitting in the ground um, and now is a perfect time for anyone interested in sowing a wildflower meadow yeah. like in or out bay, just get the flush of weeds off and with a hole not a spray can and um, get the seed down and it just you know there's just good germination temperatures so um, that's only a few that I'm thinking off the top of my head but um, yeah it's, it's a really good time for sowing direct
1: and you said it there, the soil temperature has just got where it needs to be. Um, You know, it's perfect time of year. There's this old saying that if you want to make sure the soil is ready, you pull down your trousers uh, and you sit with your bare buttocks on the ground. And if it's warm enough to sit on it, then it's absolutely perfect to go out there and sow all these seeds. And you're right, there's so much to sow at this time of the year. So if you haven't got out there, this is the time to do it. Go out this coming weekend, throw a few things in the ground and give it a go. Uh, so... Kitty Scully, um, thank you very much for that run around gardening granically and veg gardening here in Ireland. Thanks very much.
3: Ah, no problems. It was lovely to chat to you, Paul. Thanks a million for having me on.
1: Thanks, Kitty. Now, we're just going to go to a quick break and we'll be back with Eamon Wall of the Arboretum in Carlow.
0: The Garden Show on KCL with Paul Smith. Brought to you by Arboretum Home and Garden Heaven. Transform your garden with our unbeatable range of plants, trees, tools and treatments. Arboretum.ie
1: and welcome back to The Garden Show here on KCLR. So every week on The Garden Show we have somebody in from the host of experts at the team of Ar- Arboretum uh, over in Carlo and in Coquade uh, looking at how to look after the best aspects of your garden outside and this week inside because Eamon Wall the plant manager in Lachlan Bridge is here and we're here talking about plants. and Eamon has brought in a selection it's the first time we've actually brought plants into the studio which is a it's a crime to say after doing this for what six weeks now or so but uh, it's great to see a bit of greenery in here and you're very welcome along Eamon. Thank you Paul but even. Good evening to you. So, uh, yeah, house plants. Uh, it's something that you kind of overlook when you're thinking yeah. about gardens,
4: isn't it? Yeah, house plants. People love them, and but the biggest problem they don't know how to look after them. Mm. And there's a lot of fear with house plants. Uh, the number one question people always ask is uh, how often do I water and when do I water and how can I tell do they need water? And so it is a big and it's a big uh, question and it's a big answer because there's no set rules. Every plant is different. So what we tend to do is group the plants that'll suit, say, a bathroom a kitchen, or say a hot conservatory, or a dry or a shady, and often the question is asked is uh, what plant will suit the room. So once we establish with the customer where they want to put the plant, then we recommend what plant will suit that. Uh, There's no good coming in and buying the plant which you like and then you give it the wrong growing conditions because I think if you don't prepare, you're not going to succeed.
1: Yeah, and especially nowadays, you know, we're all living in, well, some of us are living in A-rated homes. I still live in a house that has more drafts and more, (laughs) but some of us have, you know, brand new A-rated homes with underfloor heating and basically totally sealed homes. And that's a totally different environment
4: to what a plant wants, isn't it? It is exactly, because there's there's no air movement. And if you have underfloor heat, then they're going to require more water. So often when people say to me, how often will I water? I say, do you have underfloor heating? Mm. Uh, is it going to be a south facing wind, or is it going to be north? So the aspect will d- determine how much water you will give the plant, and whether you have heating and is the room cold. And uh, many people say they don't adjust the water according to the temperature, the season, and whether they have underflow heating. So you've got to take those few variables in- into the c- conclusion when you're going to where you want to put the plant. In some respects, actually, it's nearly harder to look after house plants than it is outdoor plants. Outdoor
1: plants you can kind of just forget about them, yeah. but indoor plants that's not the case. Unfortunately, really, is it? <laughs>
4: they're, they're there is a few plants that you can do that. Okay, and I'm listening. A, uh, <laughs> I have this little baby one. It's a Crassula ovata, or better known as the money plant. Oh I, yes. I was given one when I was 16, probably 40 years late. The key thing is do not overwater them. Yeah, I, I
1: actually have one too, and yeah. I think the story with a money tree is if you break off a leaf and give it to someone, they yeah. get money, isn't that? The that's old? that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
4: So it's one of them. I remember years ago in in the Region region just like at times the plants can run out, and the customer uh, they wanted a money plant. That says, Are there many indestructible house plants? Yeah. and there is a couple. The, yeah, yeah, there's, there's a there's, few. There's a there's a good few. I've got here now the aloe vera again. I often go to the Grand Canary in holidays and you see them growing out in the desert, sandy, and they're just totally abused. No water. So again, if you kill an aloe vera, you have basically being too kind to it. And so I say cacti and succulents, the, the secret to sex is actually be mean to your plants. Yeah, yeah,
1: I did for a very brief time work in a yeah. house plant shop and yeah. I think that was the number one thing. People yeah. used to kill them by overwatering. Yeah. Underwatering didn't happen all that much yeah. because, you know, when you do that, you know you've
5: done that. You've done that you know,
1: yeah. you're always guilty of underwatering yeah. but overwatering, people don't actually realise, is something
4: very easy to do, especially yeah. when you have a tray underneath that holds yeah. the water, isn't it? And often people are trying to say, how do I know when to water? Now, it's, it's okay me saying being a horticulture that you'd say, or I can lift it up, tell by the weight or the colour of the compost. So to the amateur, that's not very easy to do. So mm. the question is, like people want you to say, do I water once a week or twice a week? And you can't really give that answer because it's like ourselves; we drink more water when it's warmer, and the same with, with with the plant. But what they have done now, they have little little indicators which you can pop into the plant oh. and make makes the life so. So there's no so they can take the guessing out of it. So technology is moving moving on again. So pop your little indicator, and it tells you when the plant needs water. Is that like a little digital? It's like a little little, little little stick, and it rises up then you whether it needs water or not so that's a handy that's so, so we yeah. sell those in the garden sense so they're great for people that don't know you know that way yeah i yeah. always say when you water the plant wait till it dries out before you water it again yeah that's a good tip yeah. those you know don't have it always wet have no. it wet dry wet and dry, dry as far have better. one person doing the watering because if you have two people like the cook and the salt in the pot uh, it's going to get overdone <laughs> so get make sure there's only one person looking after the water very very true. And I just see another one in front of me
1: here, the um the spider plant. Yeah. And that's one you said the money plant was indestructible. Yeah. What well, I've found from
4: experience this yeah. is pretty good too. It so is it's, it's great. It can take any aspect. That one is as uh, is right as ocean the traditional spider plant was a narrow leaf and you'd always see produce little baby plants, come up, so little offshoes like a strawberry runner. Yes. And then you can actually plant the little baby plants. So you, you, you basically can give them to friends. So another great plant for beginners. Yeah, it was yeah. really, really, really tough. And it is one, I have it at
1: home in the yeah. office. And uh, during COVID, I mightn't have went into the office for about maybe two yeah. or three months. And yeah. I went in one day and went, oh, yeah. uh, and discovered that this plant was still here. It lost all of its colour. It yeah. sort of had yellowed. But after a couple of cups of water, water the next it came, day, it, it just came, perked it back up back. and it was back. Yeah, it didn't produce all its babies. It tends to uh, reproduce a bit more when it's happy. But, you know, it is a plant that came back pretty much from yeah, the dead. It's, so it's, it's
4: a little critter. A very, very tough one. Is this when you say the office is, uh, is probably the number one thing yeah. during COVID? when you were touched on that, the uh, uh, plant sales went through the roof because everybody was at home and they wanted to create. So they, they really had they had a new environment and they wanted house plants. And so it really was what you call a challenge then because everybody wanted a different plant to different aspect. And so there's so many greenery plants. So we often say to people, uh, what do you want? The do you do you want to look after the plant, or do you want easy maintenance, or do, you, or do you just want the plant to look good? Many people say, oh, I want it to look good, but I don't I don't know how to care for it, whatever. Yeah. And another great plant was was the yucca yuccas are fantastic they can they're take low tough. light levels yeah. uh, they can like, take extreme heat and they come. In, you, you often see them in pots. parts of the, like trunks they mm. bring the uh, trunks in from South America then they, they throw them on then they can be like I say two foot four, three foot four foot four, four. they come all different heights and they really are indestructible you do, the key thing again don't overwater them. so they're great for giving architectural or structural enough a bit of height and the same with the dracanus, but the dragon trees they're a really easy one to look after again but the secret is don't overwater I have said that the, the say a variegated plants there and the one tip is if the plant is variegated it has less chlorophyll in the leaves so give give the plant that can go for a more sunny aspect and if the plant is not if it's going in a more shady place go for plants that are plain leaf and that's yeah, a good tip, that's for. A good tip Cho- generally, choosing yeah. the light level that, that you need
1: yeah uh, generally speaking the less uh, green in the plant but the yeah. more it needs a bit more extra it, light and a exactly bit extra. yeah Care as well. Yeah, It'd usually, yeah. be a bit weaker too. But yeah, yeah. Because
4: usually all these things that are variegated, that they're, they're hybridized and things. Yes.
1: Yeah, and the other thing as well would we just chat mainly about leaves and f- greenery. Yeah. But of course, uh, often people want flowers. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, and in gardening terms, everyone is all about flowers. flowers yeah.
4: House plants doesn't tend to be as much of a thing, but there are a few, of course. That yeah. Flower. I think the trend uh, we notice that uh, uh, things go in in trends. Uh, House plants, flower plants. But I think it's gone. like uh, You have your spathiphyllums, your amaryllis, and your orchids. Orchids never seem to go out of fashion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, but I think the calatheas, which are so many architectural structural plants, and they're very much in, in fashion. You, again, they're, they're a real Instagram picture, lovely purples and uh, lovely variegated foliage and really striking foliage, so they, they, they have a wow to them.
1: Yeah, uh, Instagram. You just said there. That's sort of one of the things that have made houseplants become a uh, uh, very fashionable p- and very yeah. popular, especially among younger kind yeah. of people who haven't maybe got their gardens yeah. yet, but they can, uh, you know, experiment and try yeah. plants. And people who are renting houses too. Yeah. You know, you can have a houseplant collection without ever having, uh, you know, your the foot in the soil, so to speak. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so they're very handy for that. Yeah. And in front of you here there's uh, an orchid I've never seen now it's a Phalaenopsis orchid which yeah. is a standard
4: and yeah. uh, the most commonly common, common orchid yeah. yeah, but it's in the tiniest pot ever it's basically like a dwarf one it's It is yes it's, it's, it's tiny and it's only probably the diameter of the pot is only about say three to four centimetres so yeah. it proves that you can have an orchid no matter where what size or what space you have. I was in a nursery in February and the, the, what well back to what I heard earlier on the show is that you're saying different people grow different plants and where they mm-hmm. come from. What happens in Holland is that we don't have this, we don't have this, the culture, the specialization to grow one plant. They do a lot of monoculture. So that particular nursery only grew Phalaenopsis. Oh. Uh, the other one only grew, um, Aloe vera. The other one only grew as, uh, what do you call it? Uh, say the easily, easily spatophyllum. So they specialize just in monoculture. So then they're able to really give the, the conditions. And this nursery had everything to do with, with Phalaenopsis. You wow. name it, what shape, what size. So uh, often with Phalaenopsis, many people think because they look exotic that they're hard to look after and unlike, to say, the dendromes and symbidians which need a little bit more heat uh, these are easy, uh, put them in the east or a west facing window and they say 14 to 16 degrees, you don't even need those temperatures, as long as you don't overwater them they're fine, and people have to remember that uh, they have a symbiotic relationship so they naturally grow up in, up in trees yes. and that's why their roots are out there so you, you, you basically have that's why they have the white pots, so they get the light at the, at the roots, and the easy care for them then, when they finish flowering, cut them down, down to a couple just above a couple of and they'll re the reflower again. And, and the flowers are, can last for months. They
1: are great. They do yeah. like literally
4: last for yeah. you know six months at times. Yeah. Uh, you know, e- e- Easy. Yeah. Uh, my mum often has them in the kitchen window, and they can be flowering for a year and a half. Yeah, and yeah. then you, you've got people who have had them for a week and they put them, bake them in the sunroom. So you've got to really so again pick the right location for them.
1: Yeah, another great one for orchids is bathrooms because yeah. bathrooms have a little bit more humidity, humidity and because yeah. ba- um, orchids tend to take in atmospheric um, moisture through um, the, the roots and the leaves. Yeah. Yes, yeah, as all plants do, I yeah. guess. Uh, and that's kind of lead me on to the next thing, which is uh, they don't always have to be indoors, do they? You can can you put them on a holiday
4: outside. I have as I was saying, I have this one probably forty years old cressula, and it goes out every every summer for a holiday. But the yep. one thing, if you bring the plants outside, especially if you sit down say West Cork, they, they often get people to say, "Oh, I have that grown in my garden," and they'd have a yucca and things like that. But said, so, look in Carl, Kilkenny, you, you can't do that because our frost is too hard. So depending on where you are, I say move them out in in the in the summer, bring them out. But what? What you're not to do is don't put them out on a hot day. Put them out in a shady spot so re-acclimatise them and bring them in then before the frost comes. But uh, just put them outside. Best day to put them out is on a rainy day, put them out, they're not going to get the sun, acclimatise them for a few you're days. I learned my lesson, I put, put one of my plants out and put it out and the, and the sun came out that, that day and it got sunburned. So yeah, it's like ourselves, it's, you've got to adapt and adjust to the, the environment where you're, where you're going to place them. And I've learned a lesson
1: too and uh, I think my mother might have occasionally left the plant out and just left it out then to die as winter <laughs> yeah. came in.
4: Because uh, you can be guilty, you know, add yeah. a bit of space in the house and that thing is in the yeah. way and then it'll, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah so. The great one is all the citrus plants because many people like to grow uh, citrus, like your, your lemons is a big favourite and have Conservatories and then bring, put them out in the summer and let them let them breathe as you and let them enjoy and then bring them back in before the weather gets cold. Then So to give you a little it's bit, it's like a summer holiday for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and you can't beat soft rainwater. when you can do all the water you like, but soft rainwater. I I often do that. Put them outside if you know there's rain and that soft rainwater and it washes the leaves. Another thing people often say to us is, do you have to clean the leaves? Because uh, plants fold them through the leaves, so just tepid water and a sponge and sponge the leaves. So if 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 the plants are not healthy. Uh, the reason can be is they kind of all the food, but they're not getting the light through the leaves. So if there's dust on on the leaves, bring them out. You can either sponge them or get a little, little spray mist and basically wash them off.
1: Yeah, people forget plants breed and yeah. uh, you know take in moisture yeah. through their leaves, so yeah. it's important to have the leaves clean. I know it seems daft, wash yeah. plants, but yeah. uh, it does. It or even put them in the shower and give them. Yeah, a yeah rinse. exactly the
4: shower. Yeah, and yeah. um, make sure it's only tepid water.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's always a good one. And just in terms of compost that they need, Damon, and, uh, and how to grow them. I know orchids sort of more so need a bark than an actual growing medium. Yeah, because 'Cause okay. as I
4: said, they naturally grow up in trees so that so they're, they're symbiotic relationship uh, epiphytes, so they're not a parasite, so they live up in the trees and they have a symbiotic relationship in the tree that the what do you call they'll gather their, their rain through through the through the what do you call it the roots and it's usually on bark is what what they're on. So so you've got to create so basically it's, it's basically a bark chippings is what you you're not really going to use peat base. And with the compost, it'll vary depending on the key thing with house plant compost is that you have say uh perlite through it because it is aeration or grit so it's giving more air porosity because the biggest killer of houseplants is too wet. Yeah, and that's so. Order. So you can make your own mix, or you can buy a pre-prepared mix. I tend to make my own mix, and because i have doing big plants, and I like to mix it and treat it like, say, uh, bacon apple crumble. If it sticks together, it's, it's too, it needs more grit into it, and that's yeah. and that's how you do it. And again, uh, compost and and using soil so it holds the nutrients into it. But you can buy all these pre-made in the garden. So we have bonsai compost, we have cacti compost. So you so you don't have to worry about making your own. That's if you're if you're yeah. starting off, you can just go to the shop and get your own. It's already pre-done. It's right? all pre-done for. for you
1: then Great, well Eamon Wall of the Arboretum and Carlo thank you and we'll be back just after this break with a few questions
5: okay.
0: The Garden Show on KCLOR with Paul Smith brought to you by Arboretum Home and Garden Heaven Transform your garden with our unbeatable range of plants trees, tools and treatments arboretum.ie
1: And welcome back to The Garden Show. Uh, here, still with me, I have Eamon Wall of the Arboretum. We've just been chatting houseplants, but we're going to go into one or two questions. Um, there's a question in from Jur who is asking about the easiest plant to propagate. Um, is there such a thing? Is there a... Uh, it's kind of landing you on the spot, but I have one in my head if you don't have one else. Well,
4: through. you were just on about spider plants. They were just yeah. so... The, the, basically, they put little, little baby plants out, uh, put a little pot underneath the baby plant, put a little hair clip into it, keep it in place... And it'll actually root in. Even I was just saying the, what you call the money plant, you literally just break off a piece, put into little, compost and it can root itself. You don't need to have to put a plastic bag over it, you just take take it off. And so they are re- really easy. Again, you can you can do, you can split plants, mother-in-law's tongue, sansevier is a good one because it puts up a little new baby, or they call it pups, little plants. So if you have a sansevier, the mother the plant will put little baby plants coming up and you just take them off and repot them. Also, you can actually dissect the, the get, get one leaf, chop it up and, and, and grow them that way. So there's loads of Yeah, the uh,
1: American Cape Primrose, isn't it? Yeah. The Streptocarpus. You yeah, can yeah. actually yeah. chop the leaves. Yeah, so you exactly. can and do it. And the same as Begonia Rex,
4: for instance. Another one that you can actually cu- cut little holes into Begonia Rex leaf and pin it down, and then it'll put little new, new plants.
1: Yeah, so it's absolutely ways of doing it all yeah, the time. I've magic. just uh, broken a leaf off yeah. of the money tree here. I'm going to give it to Martin to propagate. Uh, <laughs> it'll also give him a few bob, yeah. uh, hopefully, in time. So it's
4: <laughs> we, we just uh, ha- Harriet, uh, she looks after our house plants, and she cut down one of uh, our money plants. It was a massive plant, and she put them all in pots there about 34 to give them to all the staff. And they're only the "Oh, the roots are coming on them already.' So they are the easiest it is very very easy yeah well listen Eamon Wall of the Arboretum thank you very much for all of that to do
1: with Um uh, Learned a huge amount there about them and a little bit more about them hopefully for everyone listening uh, we're going to finish off today with the garden show with Minnie Rapperton and Liz Fleurs <laughs>
0: Hello, with Paul Smith.